Alright, we're in the book of Joshua. And we mentioned this morning, we were looking at chapter 1. And one of the statements up there, I'd just like to go back to it, is that as Joshua was coming into this land, God preps him. Moses is now dead. They're going to go into this land which he promised to Joshua's forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 sons. And, you know, today that still stands, right? There's still a land. It's not fulfilled in that sense. There, the, full, the full promise that he gave to Abraham has not been fulfilled. But um, this phrase, not one of the good promises that the Lord has made has failed. I mean, what a, what a blessing that is. And it's repeated in Kings, one, uh, 1 Kings eight fifty six. but this is at the be- uh, dedication of the temple. And Solomon says, Blessed be the Lord who has given his people rest according to all that he has promised. Not one word has failed from all his good promises which he promised through Moses, his servant. And so that was years later, but it's repeated by... Moses, and here we are, uh, as they're about to come into the land, they've been wandering for 40 years. And Joshua has been handpicked by the Lord himself, and he is going to go into the land. You know, it makes me think, too, as we think of the good promises of the Lord, why is it that Israel is so troubled today? Why is it that there's always, it seems like there's a headline coming out from that area? Well, if the enemy can disrupt God's work on this earth, right? He can say, well, look, something didn't come to pass that God said. And that's why you do see Israel, it looks like, is um, a fighting an uphill battle, which it is fighting an uphill battle a lot because they brought it on themselves and they've looked other places and the church age has come in, but God is not finished with Israel, right? They're going to be brought back into the center spotlight of God's plan and ultimately will be given the entire land that Abraham was promised. Um, They had a little graphic up there. Uh, Jason, if you can just advance it. I don't know if it's advancing for me. Um, But it's it's a very large plot of land, definitely larger than, um, right there, larger than the actual present-day Israel. Israel's present-day is like this, right? And it's even, this is the disputed territory here in Gaza. But in any case, it's a lot bigger (laughs) <laughs> than what it is today, but it can only be it can only be claimed by the Lord. And really, Joshua's claim on the land too was only going to be enacted by God Himself. Right? There was no way that Joshua and these people were going to uh, take out those people who were in the land. They were fortified there. They were living in cities. They had chariots. They had the greatest technology, but. Uh, it was the Lord who was going to be fighting their battles. It says in, in, in different places that the Lord was going to send the hornet. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but he was going to send something ahead of them to drive them out. And whether it was going to be... Because every time you read, especially when it says later in a few chapters, it says when they crossed the river, Rahab says, the children of Israel, that their heart melt, melted. So God was already working in them to discourage them and to take away those defenses, Right? And Israel would be conquering them. But this is a book about conquest, we said. This is just a little bit of a review. We like to look at the man, Joshua. But the first six 
uh, first five chapters, there's nothing about conquest. There's a chapter here about spying, which will, in the will of the Lord, be looking at the next lesson. But what is it that they're actually looking to spy for? There's no, uh, acquis- there's no acquisition of t- intelligence. There's not any number, uh, mention of a number of troops, how many defenses they have, the defensive towers. Did they have anything on their walls that could hinder us from getting there? Nothing like that. It's more uh, taken up with Rahab, right? And Rahab is a Gentile, and Rahab is brought out of that, and she uh, shelters those spies, but it doesn't say that they reported anything to Joshua that was of use to him. And it's interesting as you continue going down and after the circumcision, Joshua meets somebody, right? Joshua meets his captain, uh, the, uh, the angel of the Lord he meets, and he meets him with his sword drawn, and Joshua gets... Uh, the assurance that God is on their side and he would be fighting their battles. And uh, the next few chapters from 6 on up until I think about 11 or 12 is the actual battles. Um, There's one, it starts in Jericho, then goes to Ai, and then there's Gibeon who makes peace with them, and then there's the battle of the south, and then the battle of the north. And of course that there's at least probably, I think it's a few years at least they were in their land. Uh, before there was actual rest and everybody was subdued. But in any case, Joshua, um, we like to look at him. I, I found him to be, remember we said this morning that the actual phrase, the servant of the Lord, is only given three times in the word of God. Uh, of course, the Lord has many servants, right? We are his servants today. Uh, but the servant of the Lord is given to Moses several times, the servant of the Lord, but also to Joshua and to David. So what set Joshua apart? Well, did, was it something that he did or something that he read? Did he, was he educated? Was he, did, he had, did he possess some kind of leadership skills that God promoted him to, um, to, to lead his people? What was it about him? Well, as you can see, it was a willingness. If you can go back, Jason, to one or two, to the, to the outline. It was a willingness to listen to the the, uh, the listen to the Lord and to hear his voice. But we just like to look in the in a few minutes that we have here is just five points about Joshua. And my prayer for me and I would and today and tonight, excuse me, if for you, if you see this, would be praying this, that your heart too would be changed. Um, Saul, it says of Saul that he while he was um, he was there was a time where he was a uh, with the Lord in the sense that he was doing the things of the Lord and then it was quickly, right, he was in rebellion against it. But Saul, it says, when he turned away from Samuel after Samuel uh, gave him the address as king, it says that the Lord gave him a different heart. And I think the Lord can give people a different heart. Um, Sometimes if we ask the Lord, well, what is it in me? Show me something that I can change. Uh, It might be a very painful thing, right, if we ask the Lord that. But I think that's a prayer that the Lord will answer. And he will change our hearts if we ask him. And Joshua had a heart for the Lord. But let's look at these five um, different points about Joshua and what, um, what made him a successful leader and a servant of the Lord. These aren't very um, deep, as it were, <laughs> very simple but very profound in the sense that it's easy to talk about, right? But it's another thing to live. So may it be our prayer 
as we look at Joshua the man. Uh, let's look at the first mention of him. Now, uh, Joshua was born into slavery. Uh, it's not mentioned, but he was born in that system in Egypt, and he's brought out. Uh, so he is now here in Exodus 17:9. He's in the wilderness, and there's an enemy that comes up. The enemy is Amalek. And so they're coming up to fight, and this is in Rephidim. And it says here in verse 9 of Exodus 17, So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as, he, as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. Moses, Aaron, Hur went up to the top of the hill. We could pass over... Uh, certain phrases in the word of God, but I, I just want to focus on one. Mos, uh, Joshua did as Moses told him. And so as Moses, he understood that Moses was God's man. He did what he, he was told. Obedience. What would make an, a successful leader in God's, uh, in God's nation? One that was obedient to their God. And so Moses, I mean, excuse me, Joshua, you see at the beginning, is one that was obedient. And, you know, this is not something you think, this is pretty easy. Uh, if I was thinking about this as you think about Joshua. You know, he understood that Moses was God's man. How come Moses didn't go out there and fight? You know, Moses wasn't, a, you know, he might have been an older guy, but it says when he was 120 years old, he was still as young and vigorous as a young person. You know, as, as we age, you know, some of that goes away, but not with Moses. He still could see clearly, hear everything else. Nothing was abated in his life. And you would think as, as Joshua gets this command from, from Moses to go do this, well, why don't you go out there and do it? Moses had some experience in battle, right? He obviously, he, he had some, uh, he ex, you know, he, we exhibit that in Egypt, right? And he exhibited it in the wrong way, right? He killed somebody, but he had some battle experience, but he asked Joshua to go do it. And Joshua learns, too, in this battle that the victory would come while he's connected to God. Right? Moses was going up there to pray to God and to intercede for Joshua's half, on, on Joshua's behalf. And that's how Joshua would get the victory. But Joshua was obedient to God. Let's look at a few chapters over. This is in Exodus 33. Exodus 33 and verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. One thing I want to look at as I read this verse, I was having a conversation with my wife, actually, and she was, we were talking about this very subject, and she's like, man, I, I would like to hear the Lord's voice audibly today. You know, that would, that would be a nice thing, right, to hear him actually speaking. Well, Moses did. He spoke to him as, I'm speaking to you, face to face. And, I mean, I just found that fascinating. And it says it's just as a man speaks to his friend. You know, what, what, what did Moses have? You know, Moses did have a different position than we do. But we have the same opportunity today. 
Right? We have the word of God. We have God speaking to us right now. And, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, you know, we, thinking the way that, you know, well, the way that God has now chosen to get his message out. You know, he's using the church. You know, if I was God, I would say, well, you know, these are my ideas, of course. You know, I would place the biggest angel or I would cause the biggest disaster to grab everybody's attention. And then here it is. Here's the gospel. Give it to them. That would grab people's attention. Right. But it's interesting when you think about this. And even when you think about things that happen in your own life, well, it's better to let God leave it to God because he is God. Right. He knows better than we do. And so in any case, he used to speak in this time as face to face with Moses. And today, well, we have his word. He hasn't spoken to us audibly, but by faith we read this, that this is his word. And the Holy Spirit, we're, we're actually giving something even more than Moses had. There's privileges that he didn't have, right? The indwelling constantly of the Holy Spirit to decipher these things, that knows the mind of God. And that will tell us exactly what God wants us to hear. And so while Moses was called a friend of God, we too can be a friend, right? At what, what do you do with your friends? Well, you spend time with them. And we talked about a health check this morning. Well, where is it that our hearts are at? Right? In any case, Moses, a friend of God. But we want to look at Joshua here. It says, a young man would not depart from the tent. And I underline this as a heart for God. He understood that Moses was God's man. Moses was being used of the Lord, and he would not leave the tent. That's where Moses was, right? The tent. He was there speaking to the Lord. And it says that he would not leave the tent. He would not depart from it. One thing about Joshua, it says here, another uh, description is a young man. It made me think of an example in the New Testament of another young man. And his heart, too, was very unique and special. It says this of this young man. In Philippians 2, I'll just read it. In verse 19, it's Timothy. It says, but I hope in the Lord, verse 19, Philippians 2, 19, that Jesus, Lord Jesus, to send Timothy to you shortly so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of a kindred spirit or a like heart who will generally care for your, uh, be concerned for your welfare. For all seek their own interests, not of Jesus Christ. But you know of his proven worth that he served me in furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. I mean, could you imagine what a description of somebody? That's great, right? To be recorded for all time, that young man, he was concerned about other people's welfare. And really, while it does say young, but really any age should be that. I heard, I was talking to another person at one point and they were saying that you know this old person well they kind of feel or this older person they feel useless because they don't know where they can fit in but they can still at that age doesn't matter what age young old mid middle can still have a heart for god well what exactly does god have a heart for his people his church right he's involved in his church and timothy is an example for us in the new testament that he was concerned for the welfare of others and it says this, all seek their own interest. Who is that all that he's talking about? Is it the world? Well, that, that would be an easy thing, right? The world does seek their own interest. But I think he's talking about Christians here. That Christians are, can you imagine? 
a Christian more promoting his own interests and his own will rather than what God wanted for his life. Um, when I graduated high school a long time ago, uh, I remember they asked us, you know, and they, and they published these things in the yearbook. You know, I, I look back and I said, that's so silly. But, they, you know, they asked you, what do you see yourself in 10, 15 years? Right? And, they, you know, everybody go, oh, I think I fell going to college and doing all this other stuff and, you know, having kids. And, and you start planning out your life. And I remember being 18 and start, man, I want to do this, this and that and planning out my life. And then, of course, after that time comes, none of that happened. But I never fit the Lord in any of those plans. And our interest, my interest at that time, was other things rather than the Lord. Can you imagine? A child of God planning his whole life out, or he actually living his whole life out, and, and not fit in the God anywhere. All seek their own interest. But Timothy was not that person. He sought the welfare of others. Joshua would not depart from the tent. Where else would Joshua get to know what God's interests were except being with God, right? He understood, where, where's God at? Well, in this time, where was he? The tabernacle, the holiest of holies. That's where he was. He dwelt in the cloud, right? He came down, he spoke to Moses. Where else would he get direction? Where else would he get near to God except there at the tabernacle, so he would not depart it, depart from it, and he was a young man. Where are we to search out the mind of God? Where are we to find out what God's interests or uh, what God has for us? You know, one of the things, too, I think about being young or really any age is we want to determine what God's will is for us. You know, I hear that, you know, pray for me to find out what God's will is for my life. Well, what they're asking is, well, should I go into this sort of line of work or maybe I should go into uh, uh, take school and, or maybe I should go into trade school. Should I marry this person or I shouldn't? And, you know, those, those are very, all well and good, right? God does care and is involved in those things. But what is God's will for me? God has stated what his will for the Christian is, right? Involvement in the gospel, the building up of the church. So he's already stated it for us. And so it's not that we're asking what God's will is, it's just that we're not expressing it or we're not practicing it. What we want to know is something that's unknown, right? Some other unknown step in some big decision. Those things are well and good to be praying for the Lord. But when it comes to the will of God, where do we find out? Where do we, uh, where do we get the fullness of it? Well, it's right here in this book, right? There's not a tabernacle. There's not a central point of, of worship. You know, thank the Lord for that. There's major religions in this world and their centers of worship, if we were of that religion, are all the way in another part of the world, right? Where here we are, and the simplicity, as it were, yet very complex, right? The mind of God revealed to us here in this book, right? And um, we're not alone in that. We, would, we wouldn't even be able to translate or decipher what it says except for God explaining it to us, and he's given us the Holy Spirit um, who interprets the mind of God. So this young man, he would not depart from the tent. And we said at the end of Joshua's life, and it says this, um, and I would hope this would be for, for my life, and, and I, I mentioned this about uh, Mr. Diaz, and it says in his eulogy that he served the Lord faithfully and that he, um, he, he was in service and he was faithfully 
uh, committed to the Lord for the last 41 years of his life. What a testimony. But it says of Joshua, it says at the end of his life, he says, look at what the Lord did for you. And Joshua was the tool that was used for these people, right? And, and what a testimony that would be to say at the end of your life, if the Lord wills it, right, and we're, and we're died, but to say, look what the Lord has done through me for you. I mean, that would be such a great uh, testimony. That would be such a great honor, right, to be a tool in the Lord's uh, tool chest, as it were, to enhance his people, to build up his people, to be an advocate, a uh, proponent for the gospel, to see people saved. Uh, so this young man would not depart from the tent. The next point is zeal. Zeal, let's look in uh, Numbers chapter 11. Look at another mention of this man, Joshua. Numbers 11:28. A little bit of the backstory of what's happening is Moses is called the meekest man of the earth, or one of the meekest men who ever lived, and really he needed to be to be leading these people, right? Anytime you lead people, we, we can search our own hearts, we, we can examine ourselves, and sometimes we do complain about certain things. Things don't go our way, but could you imagine leading two million people in this, in this desert? <laughs> And, you know, oh, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. And this man, you know, he was conditioned. We learned last week, right? He was trained by God in different areas of his life. But um, at some point, the Lord uh, appoints 70 elders to assist Moses in this, in the daily grind, as it were, with these people. And so these people are appointed by Moses to handle and judge in different affairs, small affairs, and they would go to Moses if it was something that was big. But in any case, they, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and they start prophesying. And this young man, Joshua, he sees this, and he knows that Moses is God's man. He says this in 28, Moses, the attendant of Moses from his youth, answered and said, Moses, restrain them. And out of his zeal, and the point is he had a zeal for God, but out of his zeal, he tells Moses to correct them. And and really, it was a misplaced zeal. We met today a man, actually, uh, a young guy. Um, and whether I don't know everything about him, but one thing I did notice when, I, when we were, he was speaking to us is that he was zealous about something, very zealous. What is zealous? Well, it's a passion or zeal. It's a passion for some objective or some cause for something. And this guy was very zealous about it. And zeal is a very good thing. But it could be directed in the wrong reasons. Um, we were mentioning the major religions in the world. They're very zealous about what they believe in. But what they believe in causes harm and is a sin to other people, but it's directed in the wrong way. But it's good to have a zeal for God. But Joshua had to have his zeal corrected. But, you know, at any age, of course, he does say from his youth, and he was a young man, you know, sometimes we think of zeal, well, that's something for the young people, right? They're, they're the ones that are gun-ho, and, you know, we set out this plan, and we're going to go out and go do it. Well, at any age, right, we can be zealous for the Lord, and we can have a zeal and be passionate about and go full-heartedly against, uh, for something that is before him. And so Joshua, while he had a zeal at this point, he had to be corrected, but... It is 
good to have a zeal for the Lord instead of, uh, I guess it would be the opposite, would be not going full-heartedly into something. But uh, while we think about this zeal, you know, there's going to be times and even corrections that while we live the Christian life, there's going to be correction and there's going to be guidance that the Lord brought. So if you haven't even experienced it yet, right, it will come. And, you know, we're, we're to accept that from the Lord, right? Whether he uses a person or uses some event, right, to correct some kind of, uh, uh, some maybe even zeal or some kind of discipline in our life, the Lord will bring it in to correct it. But to be zealous for the things of the Lord is a very, very good thing. You know, I was thinking too, um, I used my cousin as an example. You know, I, I was uh, just thinking today as he's going out to pick up the kid, uh, use the bus to go pick up some of the kids over at the neighborhood. You know, I don't think Ben grew up thinking, well, you know, I want to drive the bus and pick up kids every Sunday morning, right? I don't think he trained to want to go do that. That's not something he was talented in. But, you know, he has a zeal and he has a desire to do what God wants him to do. And really, that's admirable, right? And that's for anybody that serves the Lord, right? A lot of times we find ourselves in places that we're not naturally talented in. You know, I, I don't claim to have a lot of talent as it were, but, you know, if it, if it existed, the Lord would push us in a different direction, so, so to speak. Maybe in something else, to learn something. You know, Moses spent 40 years in the, desert, or in the wilderness. You know, he spent 40 years learning everything to know in the world, right? He was a very educated person. But then the next 40 years, because of one thing that he did, he spent running, right, and looking over his shoulder. He was running from the authorities. But he learned to be nobody. And so it's good to be ze- uh, zealous, right, to take whatever that the Lord has has prompted you to serve in the local assembly, to uh, serve out in the world as far as the furtherance of the gospel, but to be zealous in that thing and to go out and do it by the Lord's help with the Lord's strength. So he had a zeal for the Lord. Uh, Numbers 27. This is a key one too. This is, uh, we mentioned that Joshua 1, while in the book chronologically, it's later. Really, Joshua knew ahead of time that he was going to be the one to uh, succeed Moses. And he was being, at some point, prompted and being trained uh, to bring these people in. But it says in Numbers 27, verse 18, it says that you know Joshua was going to, uh, Moses inter, uh, asked the Lord that he might set somebody over the congregation who will come out and go out before them like he did, right? Who's going to be the front man? Well, it's going to be Joshua. It says this in, in 18. It says, So the Lord, uh, the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. And, and you know, that's a great testimony too. All these things are great testimonies of Joshua, but to be identified and say, you know, well, who is it going to be? You know, the Lord, you know, pointed him out by name, but it says a man in whom is filled with the spirit. You know, as he would walk through that camp, you know, I wonder what would come out of his mouth. I wonder how he would react. You know, how would a person who's filled with the spirit react in certain situations? Well, he wouldn't react like the world does, right? Joshua was a man who was set apart because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and lay your hand upon him. Uh, we're, we're, we're in the midst of a study on Wednesday night, and it's come up at times um, about the Holy Spirit working in our life. But it is possible, and I don't know if you've come across this in your reading, it says that do not grieve the Holy Spirit. It's possible as a believer to grieve the heart of God. Can you imagine? By the actions that I do, by the things that I watch, by the choices that I make, the way I treat my wife, the way I treat my husband, the, the choices and the things that I say at work to grieve the Holy Spirit. And we can push, uh, you know, he's, he's living inside the believer, right? And he's battling against the flesh and he's pushing us to the things of the Lord, but we can push back. And it, it, it's strange to even think about that, but the God, that God will allow like to work with us and not overpower us and just you know, make us a robot and make us do the things that he wants us to do. You know, he wants to work with us. He wants willing hearts. He wants people like Joshua, a heart for the things that God had, obedient. But a person who is controlled by the Holy Spirit right, would definitely uh, be noticeable. Well, what is it that, um, how can you identify a person who's indwelt and who's not uh, grieving Excuse me, the Holy Spirit? Well, there's fruit. Fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all those other things that are not inherently found in human beings, but that only are found in a person who's, uh, who, who God is working through. Right? Those are attributes of the Lord, and those are characteristics of Him. And only those things are found in those who are dwelt by the Holy Spirit. So Joshua was set apart because he was a man and whom is the Spirit uh, here in Numbers 27. But it comes as a, as a warning to us, right? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit as a believer, but obey and give way to the Spirit in our lives. And, and He might be moving you right now, right? He might be moving me. And we need to be sensitive to these things. You know, I wonder sometimes about some certain decisions, uh, not that I have anything on my conscience, but, you know, places that I go to work or places that I'm driving, you know, I wonder if the Holy Spirit or God didn't want me going that direction, right? He eventually will move me back right through for, through different means. But, you know, we're to be sensitive to what God has for our lives and, and not to be like that, you know, as it was a, me as a young person, right? As we're planning out our life, you know, God's nowhere to be found in it. All right, Numbers 32. We'll look at this last one. Numbers 32, verse 12. This passage, we didn't actually get to touch on it. Um, but the second half of chapter 1, this situation with the Reuben, Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they, before they go into the land, Joshua needs to settle it with them. Remember, they, in this chapter, this is the story, they wanted, they saw the land that they were just conquered. There was two, there was two, um, if you just go over one, there was two kings that lived on this side of Jordan. There's Og, or Og was up in the north, and there was Sihon in the south. And this was still part of the land, but they saw this land. They were already there. They said, hey, you know, we want to stay here. We want to be on this side. We see that it's good for our livestock. And they came to Moses before they even entered the land, and it was actually Moses that gave them that inheritance. And Joshua then later in Joshua 1, he needs to deal with this because, remember, you know, they're about to go in to do battle. 
And could you imagine with, let's see, two and a half tribes, and it says 40,000 men would hold back, and then they go by themselves. What a discouragement that would be. Right? And, and what is the application for us today? Well, we're all working together, right, to, uh, to find out what the mind of the Lord is, right, to, to be involved in his work. And, you know, we're to encourage one another, right? That is the, the, the purpose of gifts, is to build one another up. But, you know, I could become a discouragement to somebody who's in that fight, who's in the battle, and hold back, right? And he has to deal with this in the beginning. He says, you know, you promised you're going to go across, and they end up going across, of course. But Moses warns them that, you know, he, he at first thought that they were going to be like their fathers, um, who down here in Kadesh Barnea, you know, when they went into the land, they said, you know, we don't want anything of that. That looks too hard to take. You know, they, they disbelieved what the Lord was saying. They wanted to stay back in the wilderness. But it says this of Joshua. There were only two people out of those spies that in Kadesh Barnea who uh, were good. You heard the song, right? Ten were bad, two were good. Well, it's Caleb and, jo- and Joshua. It says this in 12. It says, actually, we'll read 11 for context. None of the men who came up from Egypt from 20-year-old and upward shall see the land which I swore to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob, and they did not follow me fully. Yet Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for he followed the Lord fully. What a testimony at the end, right? Following the Lord fully. It says that there were people that were following, but they, those people that died in the wilderness, that would not see the land, that disbelieved, it says they did not follow me fully. What would that be called? A divided heart. You know, what can God use? How can God use a believer who has a divided heart, who's half going after his own interests, right? An unlike Timothy behavior, who's not seeking the interests of the Lord and yet seeking the Lord at the same time. He can't, right? God says, no, you know, Caleb was, uh, Caleb was not a leader, right? He wasn't in Joshua's shoes, but he was used of the Lord. Caleb is one of the other prominent characters in Joshua, and he's given a land in Hebron. But um, only Caleb and only Joshua from this generation ended up going into the land and taking it and fighting the battles because they followed the Lord fully. Their hearts were not divided. divided, And they said, you know, whatever the Lord tells me, I'm going to believe it. The Lord says, go and march around that city. I'm going to go and do it. If the Lord says, you know, lie and wait for an ambush, we're going to go and do it. And as we live this Christian life, there's things that maybe the Lord asks you, says, how in the world is this going to come about? You know, how is it that I'm going to go and obtain this? It looks insurmountable. But the Lord has asked us to do it. And whether it is to, to put the, uh, the flesh to death daily, right? That's something a Christian can daily be in battle with or something just walking in the spirit, right? Not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Well, you know, how am I, I'm always struggling with these things. Well, the Lord has given you the solution, right? Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's just one example. But to follow the Lord fully, to take him at his word and to not waver. And that was the characteristic of this man, Joshua, who at this time was not so much of a young man, but he... Um, was trained in the wilderness and he had a heart for God. He loved the things that God loved. He hated the things that God hated. 
he attached himself to where God's center was, um, which was the church, right? And you know that makes me think too. You know, how can we apply that today? Um, you know, there, there's in this particular gathering, there's three or four meetings that we have per week, right? And, and it can become easy to start making excuses why not to attend. Well, where is it that God's interested? We already said it's God's people, right? Wouldn't God want you who's gifted you, if you're a true believer, to be here to use his gift? He would, right? To build up the saints. He would want you here. And, you know, Joshua was a person who would not depart of the tent, right? What a testimony. He would not, if we would look at it in, in today's terms, he would be at every single meeting, he would be at every single event. He would be supporting anything that the local assembly would be doing. That would be uh, Joshua's testimony if he would be here uh, today. But he had a zeal for God too. It needed to be corrected, right? But he fully was passionate about what the Lord put before him and he had a zeal for God. And he followed the Lord fully and he was one who was indwelt uh, by the Holy Spirit and he allowed the Spirit to work in his life. And he did not have a divided heart. And so just a little, um, just some points out of Joshua's life. And I, I hope as I read this, right, that could be our prayer is to, to examine this man. He was a very prominent figure. Um, he's not mentioned too much after this book, but he's a very prominent figure in this book. And um, I see him as, as a great example, right? We can have uh, lots of heroes, I think, in the Bible, you know, certain people, Samuel, I see personally for myself, but Joshua is definitely one that we can mimic and we can make some of the things that he had and the choices that he made, you know, they're still today and they're still good and they're still, um, they're still successful, right? Joshua was told to follow the Lord and to have to, to not depart from the book of law. Well, what would be the result? He would be successful and prosperous. And so, um, if we're going to have any victory in our Christian life, if we're going to make any ground and take the land, uh, we're going to have to follow the Lord and to do what he has asked us to do. And so may that encourage your heart this evening. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that we have in your word. We just thank you for this man, Joshua, who followed you fully, who had a heart for you. And we just pray, Lord, that that would be something that we would desire and that we would pray for. And that we would go after, Lord, and to allow your Holy Spirit to work in our lives and to change us. And we just ask that you bring us home safely tonight. In Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.